This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. It's funny that Pastor Jason brought up 2020 and pastors at the start of the year, it's our, it's our time to encourage and, and give you a word to lead you into the next season. And I remember the word that I gave my congregation the first Sunday. Um, it was a word that I did not want to give. It was that God was getting ready to separate the wheat from the tares. And I had no clue, obviously, what was about to happen. Um, I had no clue what was about to happen. I had no clue, obviously, about COVID or any of the stuff that we're experiencing, not only at a uh, civic level and a national level, but a global level. Yeah. And uh, I think he's still in the process of doing that. And it could be a painful thing, but I'm going to tell you this, it's going to be a beautiful thing. Because um, on our side of things, I didn't know that the separation of the wheat and tares was going to mean losing both of our locations. 60 plus percent of our team now living out of nowhere, even in our region. And we have no clue where our congregation is anymore. So we're kind of in this, what are you doing? <laughs> Time, we've been toiling for six years in Steamboat and God has blessed us and um, it's been incredible. But we're asking the Lord right now, what are you doing? Because uh, things don't look the way we wanted them to look coming into 2021. We, we, we expected a lot of different things, if you know what I mean. And I know you're probably in a similar boat. And I really, I really pray that the word that the Lord put on my heart to bring, uh, as Pastor Jason said, is prophetic not in that it gives you goosebumps. I love the Holy Spirit goosebumps. I love them. I, I love them. I, I love them. You know, but I hope that it's prophetic in that you leave here transformed, not by words that I said or songs that we sang, but by the presence of God interacting in this moment and changing you for a lifetime. So I, I really hope that and I pray for that. And before I go any further, I, you know, this is my wife, Sarah, over here. Uh, we are high school sweethearts. And uh, woohoo, yeah. And uh, we have three beautiful children. Uh, we have a son, Tristan. He just turned 14. It's scary as all get out because he has a little facial hair starting in. And uh, I don't, I, it's not scary because he has facial hair. I just don't want it to be better than mine someday. I, I, I put oil in this thing, you know. Um, and then we have a 12 year old daughter. Do pray for me for that because. I, I'm not going to tell you how many guns I've bought this year, but I bought a lot of guns. And it's not for any other reason other than my daughter's 12. And people are trying to get in talk, you know, talk with her and stuff like that. And then uh, we have an 11-year-old, and Uriah just, you, all the parents know what I'm talking about. Like, with that, um, he's our crazy one. He's the split lip, split eye kid that we have. Um, uh, but <laughs> we, we, we love... Our calling, I've been doing this, like I said, right out of high school is when I jumped into full-time ministry. We played on the football field together. We started ministry really together, um, and, and the Lord is still has us together. Jason's actually my boss, and so please give me a good review. <laughs> he can fire me. Uh, he's on my board, so he can fire me. Uh, so please give me a good review. Um, real quickly, I, I wasn't sure if I was... During worship, the Lord gave me a word for this house, and uh, I wrote it down. I don't know if Jason remembers this, but about two and a half years ago, Jason, uh, Michael, one of, your, one of your board members, and Doug, one of your board members, we all showed up here and we began praying over this city, over this valley. We began uh, doing uh, the spy work, if you will, for an Old Testament reference, which we're going to go into. And uh, I gave Jason a light word right then. We were walking the streets um, downtown. And I told Jason, I don't know if you remember this or not, but I told you that you were going to feed people. And uh, then we were when we were driving in today, he began to tell me about the rise in the homeless population in your, in your area. And that was, I was like, whoa, okay, okay, because I, I always think that God does things in physical ways that represent spiritual promise and, and spiritual depth, okay? And so I was like, wow, okay, that's, that's that, okay. Well, during worship, during the second song, the Lord put Matthew 14 on my heart. Remember this, Jason, Matthew chapter, chapter 14 John the Baptist gets beheaded, horrible moment for Jesus. He tries to go into hiding. People follow him. The people following move his heart, following him. It, it, he has compassion on him is what the scripture says. And then the miraculous bursted forth from him. Just so you know, 
If you want to be a miraculous church, you need to have compassion on those who need miracles. Okay? And so Jesus began to move with that. Well, then they say, hey, they're all hungry. Feed them. And Jesus is like, no, you feed them. I love that. I love how Jesus flips the script on. He's like, let them go. No, you feed them. You take care of it. Well, this is what the Lord put on my heart. Matthew chapter 14. For, for, for you, Pastor Jason and Candace, okay? Miraculous multiplication to feed a hing- hungry multitude. God is going to give you miraculous multiplication to feed a hungry multitude. I literally heard the Lord as clear as I've heard the Lord ever in my life say, you are going to feed thousands. This house is going to feed thousands. And here's what's funny. I'm not saying that for hype. I, I'm not a hype guy. I, I, I hate hype, actually. There's... You're, this isn't live, right? Okay, I can say this and not get in trouble. There's a church in my, in my community, and I love this church, but they have this shirt that says, believe the hype. I hate that. Jesus is not hype. He's real. And so, like, I just, like, this isn't a hype thing. Like, like, this house is going to feed thousands. And just, just imagine, like, w- just imagine when, when the little pieces of bread and those little fish sticks got handed to Jesus, what the disciples were thinking. They were thinking, oh, yeah, we got enough. This is going to be a great barbecue. They were thinking, what are we supposed to do with this? See, too often we look at natural means to suggest what can happen in supernatural realities. And, and God doesn't work that way. God doesn't work that way. And so this is, what, this is what he followed that up with, Jason. Jason, do not compare what is brought to you with what you think you need in order to accomplish it. Thank God and bless it and then release it. It's not your job to qualify what you, what, what you can do with what you have. It's your job to thank God for it, bless it, and then release it. Because the miracle is in the basket. The miracle is in the basket. The miracle is in the basket. All right. I'm going to preach now. If I, okay, yeah, I'm going to preach now. Let me pray. Jesus, calm me down. <laughs> Lord, I pray that you would give me clarity to speak the word that you put on my heart. Lord, I pray for good soil tonight, that, that the seeds that are sown today, Lord, that they would find good soil. And that, Holy Spirit, you would water them and that they would grow. Lord, we we ask for you to move in our lives. We don't don't just sing these songs out of repetition because they're words on a a screen as if we're here to play religious karaoke for a time. Lord, we are singing these songs because these are truths and these are things that we are crying out for. This is a move, but Lord, we need a move. We need a move of God. We need you to move. And so Lord, even starting right now, as we close the chapter of 2020 and we walk into 2021, Lord, I pray that this would be a move, a move in our lives. Lord, as we, say, as, as we have been saying for so long, and even as we sing about today, Lord, I pray for a revival, but Lord, let it start in me. Let it start in me. Jesus, anoint your word to go forth. Lord, anything that I want to say that is not of you, remove it from my brain now. Remove it from my lips. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' mighty, awesome, patient, kind name. Amen. 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 I don't know if you've noticed or not, but um, we live, there's, there's my, oh, I'm going to teach on. Um, we live in a culture, we live in a society of popular opinion. We live in a society, we live in a culture that is governed by popular opinion. And right now, contrary to the narrative on the left, and the narrative on the right, contrary to the narrative of all politicians and all civic leaders and, 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 and the news and the social media experts. I really love Facebook theologians, by the way. I, I'm so grateful for Facebook, Facebook theologians because I'm just grateful for them. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, right now, we, we live in a culture of popular opinion, and, and contrary to what everybody is saying from all sides, from all political sides, from all belief systems, the popular opinion that I'm talking about right now is killing more people than any virus is. It's killing more people than any viruses. So whether it's COVID or elections or shutdowns or political compliance or murder hornets, 
rioting or whatever, fill in the blank there. The popular opinion that I am speaking of, that I am speaking about right now is fear. It's fear. All of it is fear. And this is evidenced by, by all the recent studies. I don't know how much, we're, we're kind of paid, or, or maybe we're not even paid to, but we do. We pay attention to weird studies that you guys will be like, why do you look at that? Because we need to know what's happening inside of the people. And recent studies and polls are showing that more than ever in American history, the people of this nation are struggling with fear, and it's escalating at a rate that they can't keep up with. Every time they take a new poll, a new study, it's higher, it's higher, and it's higher. And I bring this up because just like fear has always done, especially in the church, the people of God, okay, I bring this up because fear is doing what it always does, and what it's doing is keeping us from what God has for us. Fear is keeping us from what God has for us. So I want, I want to, I, I'm not going to say quickly because I don't teach quickly, but I'm going to teach tonight on the theme, popular opinion, I beg your pardon. I beg your pardon. And this is going to make sense, I promise you. I, I do like to exegetically teach. I, I, I love to teach. I don't preach that much. I like to teach more. Um, but we're going to turn to Numbers chapter 14 real quick, okay? Numbers chapter 14. Mark this, you pull it up on your phone, on your, whatever you have, you're, pull it up in, in your Bible. What is going on right now? Real quick history lesson. The people of God, Israel, have been set free from Egypt, from all of those miracles, right? All the miracles have taken place. They've, they've, they've gone through the wilderness. They've crossed the Red Sea. All of Pharaoh and his army has been, been knocked out. They've, now they're traveled through the wilderness, okay? Uh, they've, they've come to the fringes of what was called the Promised Land, and what happens is in Numbers chapter 13, Moses and Aaron send out spies into the, into the promised land. One leader from each tribe. There are 12 tribes, so 12 spies go out. They go out into this promised land, and the promised land is amazing. They're carrying grapes the size of men. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a good salad bar, if you know what I mean. Like, it's a good time. <laughs> Okay, like it's really, really good. And so they get there, they, they, they come back and they give the report and they talk about how, how, how it's just as God said it would be. It's amazing, it's miraculous, it's, it's so, so good. 10 of the spies then change the narrative and they say, but there are giants there. And the cities are fortified with walls and they've got, they've got the, the sons of Anak are there and, and, and all of these things, but, 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 God, it's good, but, but, but. What were they being hit with? They were, hit being, they, were hit, they were being hit with fear. Two spies, Caleb and Joshua, go, yeah, yeah, all of that's there, but let's go forward. We can possess it. We can possess it, okay? Well, this starts some problems in the ranks, and they start to argue, and they want to stone uh, Joshua and Caleb for saying it. You know, and, and all of this is taking place. And then we come to Numbers chapter 14 and verse 11, and it says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me? That word reject in the original language, it means despise me. Think of the way the Lord views our rejection of him. And that includes disbelief. Okay. Us not believing what he has said. How long will they despise me and how long will they not believe me with all the signs I have performed among them? I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them. I will make you a nation greater and mightier than they. And Moses said to the Lord, now get this. What God just said is you're going to be number one. You are going to be the best. You are going to be top. And Moses says, Oh, that sounds good. I would love to be the best. I would love to have the most followers and the most likes and the most this and the most that. No, no, no. He says, then the Egyptians will hear it. For by your might, you brought these people up from among them, and they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land. They have heard that you, Lord, are among these people, that you, Lord, are seen face to face, and your cloud stands above them. And you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and in a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you kill these people as one man, the nations will have heard of your fame and will speak, saying, because the Lord was not able. Listen to Moses' concern here. It's the name of God being defamed. 
It's the honor of God being blasphemed. They will say, because the Lord was not able to bring this people to the land which he swore to give them, therefore he killed them in the wilderness. And now look at Moses' prayer. And now here's where we get the theme. I pray, let the power of my Lord be great, just as you have spoken saying the Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. But he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the fourth, third and fourth generation. Now here it is. Pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray. Not according to my religion, not according to my good deeds, not according, according to my great efforts, but Lord, pardon them according to your great mercy. According to your great mercy, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. Then the Lord said, let me pray about it. The Lord said, let me pray about it. No, he didn't say that. He said, I have pardoned according to your word. Remember that. But truly, as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, because all these men who have seen my glory and the signs I did in Egypt and in the wilderness have put me to the test. Just so you know, that's sin. We are not allowed to test the Lord. He's allowed to test us. We are not allowed to test the Lord. There's one time in, in, in the Bible that we are allowed to test the Lord. Do you know what it's in? It's in the tithe. Malachi chapter three, you can look at this. This isn't the preacher trying to, trying to get you, trying to get more into your pockets or anything like that. I don't care about any of that. That's between you and the Lord. And I know Jason and Candace believe that too, okay? The only time that we are allowed to test the Lord is Malachi three, verse 10. And he's teaching, the Lord is talking about the tithe and he says, test me in this. Bring the whole tithe to the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this and see if I won't open up the heavens and pour out such a blessing on your life that you can't even contain it. That's scripture. That's not me. That's scripture. That's the only time we're allowed to test the Lord. Test me. They've tested me now 10 times and have not heeded my voice, which means they disobeyed. They certainly shall not see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. But my servant Caleb, I like that. There's a reason why we still name our, our, our boys Caleb, by the way. If you go back through, they list out all the other names of the spies. We don't name our, our children those names anymore. There's a reason why we don't. Servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring him into this land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. Now the Malachites and the Canaanites dwell in the valley. Tomorrow turn and move into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. In Numbers chapter 13 and 14, we find the people of God stuck. We find them stuck, and they are stuck between what God brought them out of and where God was wanting to take them. You see, because of problems, they saw up ahead of them. They saw them. They saw them with their eyes, okay? Because of problems, they saw up ahead of them in the land that God promised them. And because of the popular opinion that was spoken about by the majority of the people, the people of God unanimously began to not believe God. And because they didn't believe God, they therefore didn't trust God. And that's a natural progression, by the way. The second that we start to doubt God is the second that we begin to not trust God. Okay? And so what happens is because of that, then because of uncertainty and because of opposition and difficulty and problems, because of giants and because of walls, because, you know, let's make it a little bit more relatable. Because things were not like they wanted them to be. And because life was not looking the way that they wanted life to look. They now started thinking from a place of fear. Not from a place of faith, but from a place of fear. Now, despite God making a way where there, no, where there was no way and providing everything they needed where there was no provision, despite all of the evidence before them and behind them, assuring them of where they were in this moment, but more importantly, arousing them to where he had called them to be, okay, arousing them, the people of God then made decisions out of fear. Made decisions out of fear. I didn't give this to you guys, so um, I just want to read it real quick. One through four says, So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept all night. What are they doing? They're throwing a two-year-old tantrum in the middle of Walmart. 
And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt. What? Or if only we had died in the wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better to, for us to return to Egypt? What? Would it not be better for us to go back from, to what God brought us out of? Do you know why they begin to think this way and act this way and begin to make decisions this way? Do you actually know why? I'm going to tell you why. It's because of what they saw. Because faith isn't blind. I, I don't know what you were taught, but I was taught faith was kind of blind. You know, fake it till you make it kind of stuff. No, 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 I'm going to believe it till I receive it. That's what I'm going to do. Okay, they, 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 because of what they saw, they, they began to fear. And because of what they saw, they, they began to not believe God. And when they began to not believe God, they began to not trust God. And this is why God said, how long will they despise me? How long? Like, what else do I have to do? How long? And so get this, the logic of popular opinion here, it's kind of funny, but it's really sad, especially when we don't just look at it in them, but we find it in ourselves, in our decisions and in our choices and our day-to-day -day operations, okay? The logic of, the, of popular opinion here went something like this. Life and death in Egypt is better than life and death in the promised land. Think about it. Life and death in Egypt is better than life and death in the promised land. Think about what they are saying here. Because of what we see up there, we want to go back there. We want to go back to what God had just miraculously brought us out of. Because going back there is better, is better than moving into everything he's promised us. Because it's going to be a little bit hard. It's going to be a little bit hard. Now, I know most of us have seen the movie, you know, the, uh, is it Prince of Egypt? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was a beautiful experience. I don't know if you remember it. it was, we saw whales as they crossed the Red Sea, and it was cool. Um, I, I know it's really easy for us to sit here having seen the movie and having sung the song today. You, you, you took me out of Egypt. It's really easy to sing, you know. Uh, it's really easy for us to sit here and, and think to ourselves, how could they? How could they? How could they? I mean, God split the sea. He made water come from the rock. He made bitter water sweet. He, he fed the manna bread from the sky every morning, and quail was sent to them by night. By the way, that's proof that the paleo diet is of satanic origin, so no paleo diets. I'm sorry. Okay, we're, bread is good, yummy. Okay, donuts are good. Okay, I'm just saying, it's in the Bible. Take it up with your pastor. Okay, he'll clean up the mess later. Um, I know it's easy for us to sit here and say, how could they, after all of that? But beloved, we do the same thing. We do the same thing. We do the same exact thing. When the challenges, uncertainties, oppositions, problems of life seem like too much for us to handle. When our spreadsheets don't add up. When the disruptions of the day feel too difficult to endure. When we don't see it like we want to see it. When we don't understand how it's going to work out in the end. We look to go back. We look to go back back to the very place that God brought us out of. We look to go back. Back to that old way of thinking, that old way of living, back to that old way of doing, back to that old place because, well, you know, it just makes sense. It just makes sense to go back. It just makes sense. You know, truth be told, I believe that this is where most of the church is right now. That, that we, this is where we are, we are stuck. We are stuck between the place God brought us out of and the place that God is calling us into. We're just stuck. We're stuck to our old ways, our old procedures, our, our schedules, and our perfectly kept rooms, and our perfectly temperatured rooms, and our routines, and our 60-minute service, and the pastor goes more than 25 minutes, and the worship's longer than 15, then I'm going to go to a different church. I tell my congregation every week, great, there's 
other ones to choose from. But, but we are stuck. We're stuck. We're stuck. We're, we're stuck in a wilderness. A wilderness of fear and frustration, disappointment and discouragement, misery and melancholy, sadness and shutdown. Let's use a cool word for the day. I just made it up, even though we've heard it all year long. You know, what I mean by stuck is we're wanting to go forward, but we won't. We're looking to go back, but we can't. We're, we're just stuck. And that's a great working definition of the wilderness, by the way. When you, when you read it in, the, in, in Scripture, we want to go forward, but we won't. We, we're looking to go back, but we can't. God wasn't going to part the sea so they can go back. They were going to have to go all the way around if they wanted to do it. This is what we have to understand. With all of that weight, God always has a Moses. God always has a Moses. Always has a Moses. A Moses who doesn't look at what popular opinion looks at. A Moses who looks at what God has said and prays to what God has said, despite what is seen. Because again, faith isn't blind. Faith sees the impossible, but believes what God has promised. Okay? And I bring this up because this text teaches us something important that we need to walk into 2021 with. And what our text teaches us is this. While the people colluded in fear, Moses interceded in faith. While the people were colluding in fear, Moses was interceding in faith. And so I, I, I say that because I wonder when popular opinion tries to push you back, back to the place that God brought you out of, do you join the collusion of popular opinion or do you make intercession unto God? Do you run to that collusion or do you run to intercession? Intercession is a big word for prayer. For prayer. Okay? It's a church word for prayer. If prayer wasn't already a church word. <laughs> okay? What do you do? Not what does Moses do. Not what does Pastor Jason and Candace do. What do you do? What do you do? Beloved, while the rest of the world makes plans in fear, we, the people of God, are to be interceded in faith. While the rest of the world shuts down because of fear, we, the people of God, are, be, are to be interceding in faith. This is what we do. Just so you know, there isn't some gift that Paul accidentally left out of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, there, there's, there's the gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy, the gift of healing. The gift. Oh man, I, sh I forgot to tell him about the gift of intercession. It's not a gift to intercede, it's a calling. And every child of God is called to intercede. Every child of God. I know some of us are a little bit more bent that way, and that's great. That's just the way that God has uniquely and wonderfully and fearfully made us. That's great, but all of us are called to pray. And not just pray for, Lord, bless this meal and let me have a good day. Let no one yell at me. Lord, please, no, let, please, please let me not have to wear a mask today. Not that. Please don't let the barista get my order wrong because I've been through this drive-thru over and over and over again. Please let there be no traffic. Those are all great things. Pour out your heart to God. That's fine. But I'm talking about real intercession. I'm talking about seeing homeless people and not going, I give them money, but they're just going to go get drunk. And actually going, God, would you give me a word so that I may walk up to them and speak your heart to them? God, God, impart so, as I drive by, Holy Spirit, the same way that Peter's shadow healed the sick when he drove by them in his cool car. Lord, I pray that as I drive by them, that you would heal them, that you would heal them, God, that you would fix their heart, that you would heal their body, God. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about actually seeing people in your heart breaking for people and not just going, I feel bad for them. I feel sorry for them. I'm talking about having a burden for people and interceding for them like Moses did for these people. That's what I'm talking about. See, unlike the popular opinion, which 
cared about how things looked and felt and how comfortable and convenient life was. Moses cared more about God's glory and God's honor and God's reputation than anyone else's, including his own. And because he did, he prayed that way. He prayed that way. He was worried about the the world. Getting word of God doing such a thing and them not coming to know God because of it. He was worried about it. He was worried about it. So despite popular opinion, Moses prayed for God's promises and from God's word and according to who God is. So something Moses teaches us here is this. The best pleas in prayer are those that are taken from God's word and for God's honor. I tell my church this all the time, and I teach on prayer. I'm not, I'm, this is not an exaggeration. 80% of the time do I teach on prayer? 80% of my sermons are on prayer. Why? Well, it's interesting to me. There's so many reasons backed up biblically, but, it, but early on in my ministry, I found this weird thing that happened, and it's easy to pass by. Jesus is hanging out with his disciples, and his disciples say, hey, Jesus, Teach us how to walk on water. No, they never said that, did they? No, they said Jesus, teach us to turn water into wine because we'll get a lot of people if we can turn water into wine. (laughs) He didn't say that either. Teach us how to heal people. No, they said, hey, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. There's a lot of things we want to know, a lot of things we want to do. But Lord, teach us how to pray. We want to know the Father like you. We want to talk with them like you talk with them. We spend time like with them like you spend time with them. Teach us how to pray. We want to know how to pray. Not how to have a big church. Not how to have a perfect service. Teach us how to pray. Wow. That blew my mind as a young youth pastor in Texas. That was my wilderness. I got to the promised land. <laughs> if you're from Texas, God bless you. Everything's not better there, I can promise you that. And all the people said, amen. (laughs) Um, Prayer is a big deal. It's a big deal. And there's so many paradigms in the scriptures about prayer that we just pass over. Even Jesus in the garden, when, when he's talking to Peter about faith, and he rebukes Peter for falling asleep. He connects faith to prayer. There's these, there's, these woven th- there's these threads woven into the fabric of Scripture, and so many of them are, are prayer, 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 prayer. So again, the best pleas in prayer are those taken from God's word and for God's honor. Verse 19, Moses prayed, pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your mercy. In other words, according to your great name and for your great mercy in the world, do not bring upon them the ruin that they deserve. Think about that. Don't bring upon them the ruin they deserve. Beloved, Moses' intercession can be summarized as this. I beg your pardon. I beg for your pardon. Oh, Lord, pardon them. I, I know what they deserve. I know what they've done. I know what they've said. I know how they've acted. But, Lord, I beg your pardon. You see, the pardon of a national sin consists in the turning of away of that national punishment correlated to the sin. And that is what Moses is interceding for here. But it's not according to God's charity, but God's great mercy. And this was Jesus' prayer on the cross. After he had been falsely accused, betrayed, falsely accused again, beaten, mocked, spit on other things that probably happened because I know the Roman culture of the day that are not written in here, but I know the vile, disgusting behavior of of, of Roman guards back then. Let your mind go there, and they probably did that to him too. Okay? And and he he was marched, he was beaten, and he carried his cross. And and from the cross, as he's looking out over a sea of religious leaders and elites and and Roman soldiers and and popular opinion, he looks over over them all and says, forgive them. 
they know not what they do. This is the same prayer that Stephen prayed while he was being stoned to death. I don't know about you, but if someone throws a rock at me, I'm throwing it back. That's just how I roll. Okay? Like, I'm not going to be like, Father, ow, that hurt. Forgive them. That one hurt too. I'm going to be picking them up. Lord, you better save them before I send them to you right now. That's just how I am. Jason, I'm sorry for the mess. Okay? But this is the same prayer that Jesus prayed. This is the heart of God that his people need to get back. Father, forgive them. Father, pardon them. Beloved, I... I want you to see today, my hope is that you see this today, that, Mo, that, that, that God has called all of us to be a Moses. And I don't mean a guy with a staff and a cool beard. This is real, by the way. It's mountain grown. And I, and I hunt like crazy. <laughs> um, I, I, want, I want you to see that God has for you, uh, you, each of us, not just Pastor Jason and Candace and their team. Uh, God has for all of us to be Moseses in the land and for the land and to the land that he has us in. Okay? Meaning, he has called each and every one of us to intercede for this land and for all the people of this land. That includes those you don't agree with and those you don't vote like and those who don't see eye to eye with you and those you look at and you're like, I want to slap you. God has for us to intercede for all people in this land. He has called us to look to what he has said and pray to what he has said despite what we see. To cry out for his power, which is always in accordance to his great mercy. Any manifestation of power is always a direct response or, or, or is, cor- is connected to his great mercy, by the way. Every miracle is, is, is a manifestation of his mercy. Every single one. Okay, so it's to cry out for his power for all the people of the land, despite the problems that we are having in the land. So let me say it like this. While everyone else is colluding in fear, we are to be interceding in faith. I believe that's the word for 2021. God's calling his church back to prayer. He, he, Jesus taught it. And, and, man, Matthew 21? I may be wrong on that. My house should be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. He's quoting the prophet Isaiah. But he did that when he walked into a church and he found out what was happening inside of that church. Started flipping tables. He, by the way, he went outside to braid a whip. That took a little bit of time. That means he was thinking about it the whole time and he still did it. That's cool. I like Jesus. I don't like this feminazi Jesus. That's the Jesus I like. Okay. <laughs> tuxedo shirt (laughs) while everybody else is colluding in fear beloved we are to be interceding in faith and this is how we do it number one Moses taught us how so this is how we do it number one we plea for God's glory we find that verse 13 through 16 number two this is how we do it we plea for God's power that's verses 17 through 18 And, and the third thing is we plea from God's goodness that's verse 19 that's how we intercede We plea for God's glory. We plea for God's power. And we plea from God's goodness. It's all right there for us. It's all right there in the text. Okay? So something that stuck out to me in our text was that while the people were planning to get rid of Moses, Moses was praying for the people. Interesting the way that worked out. Let me make this more relevant. While the people were canceling Moses... Moses was crying out for the people. And I bring this up because I get that you're frustrated. I get that you're disappointed and angry. I get that you don't like what's happening. I don't like it either. But what we are called to do is not subject to what everyone else is doing. We are called to pray. We are called to intercede. To stand in the gap on behalf of a broken, fallen, dying world and a holy, awesome God. Read Ezekiel 22. That's verse 30. God God is having a conversation with the prophet Ezekiel, and he says, Ezekiel, I searched out the land, and I looked at the land, and I couldn't find one person who would stand in the gap on behalf of this world and me. I couldn't find one person to stand in that gap that exists. 
make no mistake, like with the people of God in Numbers, just because you are frustrated, disappointed, and angry, it doesn't mean go back. Nor does it mean that what God has spoken has changed or that he has left you or to participate in a cancel culture. And just because you are fed up with popular opinion, it doesn't mean pray against the people who are contributing to or following popular opinion. I don't know when we're going to find out who our next president is. It doesn't matter in regards to this subject. Regardless of who sits in the office, we are to pray for them, not against them. For them, not against them. Scripture says pray for your leaders, not against them. Pray for them. It doesn't matter if you voted for them or not. You are to pray for them. We pray for them. So we read it together. Moses prayed for them, not against them. Unlike many of us today, Moses never prayed for their destruction. On the contrary, he prayed for their deliverance. And God answered that prayer for an entire people from just one person. And that's really what I want to land it on today. I want you to see that from one person's prayer, God answered it for an entire people. Moses prayed, pardon them. And God said, I've pardoned them according to your word. That's powerful. That's powerful. That's powerful because it, it tells me that I don't, I don't have to have a thousand people in a room praying and agreeing with me for God to answer my prayer. It tells me that wherever I am, when I cry out to God, He hears me. And God responds to my prayer. God answers my prayer. By the way, no is an answer. I know we don't like it. No is an answer. Should you marry them? God says, no. Okay, I'll do it anyway. I'll save them. I'll make them better. If Please. No. No. God answered that prayer for an entire people from one person. Beloved, this is, this is how Moses prayed in the cell we pray. You see, Moses prayed for God to pardon the people, and God answered Moses' prayer by pardoning all the people. And so what we find at work here is a New Testament promise. It's a principle of prayer, but it's a promise of God. In James chapter 5. James chapter 5 says, Confess your trespasses to one another. I just want to clear up some work for Pastor Jason <laughs> real quick. This does not mean go around and tell everyone you're garbage. Confess your sins or your trespasses. What this means is if you've sinned against someone, go to them and confess it and repent of it. It doesn't mean go on the social media and let everyone know how bad you've been. <laughs> it means you've offended, you've hurt, you've trespassed against that person. You go to them. Oh, but they did this. I don't see it in there. You go to them, you confess it, and you don't do it again. It's like I tell my son Uriah every day when he says, Dad, I'm sorry. Don't tell me, show me. Show me. He says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now get this, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person. A righteous person avails much. It doesn't say two, three, 100, 1,000 righteous people. It says A, it's singular, one person. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. And then he gives a backstory. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed, which means he was normal. He was a human being. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain for, on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced fruit. He's using a historical, a, a very historical figure in, in, in Israel's history to say, look, he was a man just like you. And he was right with God. And he prayed. And he believed what he prayed. And what he prayed happened. He didn't have to coerce God. He didn't have to trick God. He, he just pursued God. And so what I want you to see right there is that our, our prayers have climate-changing powers. I'm talking about real climate change. Climate-changing powers. He prayed for it not to rain, and it did not rain. He prayed that it would rain, and it rained. His prayers had climate 
changing power. Let, let me get real real quick. The reason our nation is in peril is because the church is prayerless. We really need to hear this. The reason our nation is in peril right now is because the church is, in, is, is prayerless. She wants to come and be entertained, sing my K-Love songs, sing the song that I want, have the service last the length of time that I want it to be, disciple my kids for me, I'll give you a little bit of money so that you do it, but let me live my life. Oh, and also will you pray for me and will you read the word for me? The reason our nation is in peril is because we're prayerless. And God is calling his church back to prayer. Jason brought it up today, infancy, infancy. You know what the church was founded on? It was founded on the reading of the word, the, prayer of the, the prayers of the saints, and the gathering of the saints. Not just in settings like this, but at tables with one another, having dinners together, having barbecues together. I mean, we like food. And if we like Jesus, I mean, those two things go really well together. They go phenomenal together. I think, I think the Lord is, I think the separation of the wheat and tares right now is, is God bringing back his church to infancy, back to her roots. The word, prayer, and gathering. Those three things. So moving forward, especially with 2021 just days away, I challenge us to do some introspection, some self-examination, if you will. We're days away from 2020 being over, and in verse 20, God said to Moses, according to your word. Remember that, I told you remember that. Verse 20, it's 2020, 2020's coming to end. In verse 20, God said, according to your word, I have pardoned the people. So according to your word, I want you to think about this real quick with me. According to your word, what is your word today? What is your word? Going into Monday tomorrow, going into whatever situation you're going into, going into Tuesday and Wednesday, going into 2021, what is your word? God responded to Moses' prayer according to his word. What is your word today? Is it a good report or a bad report? What is your word? Word, despite what you see, despite how you feel, despite what you want, when you pray, what is your word? What is your word? What is your word? Not what is my word or Pastor Jason's word. What is your word? I believe that's a question God is asking us as we walk into 2021. What is your word? Let me pray. I just want to ask you to bow your heads as I pray. Lord, For a long time, we've been trying to figure out what you're doing. Rather than just listen to what you're saying and obeying what you're saying. Lord, that's what you're doing. Lord, right now, we repent of trying to figure you out. And we confess that we just want to know you. Your word says in John 17, verse 3, this is eternal life that you may know God. Lord, we want to know you. We want to know you more than we did when we walked into this room. We want to know you more than we knew yesterday and the month before and the year before. Lord, we just want to know you. And so, Lord, I, I pray that in this room that a holy uprising that a holy revolt of prayer would take place. Lord, I pray that this would be a house of prayer, that we would be a people who want to hear your voice and who are committed and convicted to not just hear your voice, but to obey your voice. That when you say go, we go. When, we, when you say sit still, we sit still. When you say prophesy, we prophesy. Lord, when you say give, we give. When you say bless, we bless. When you say give it away, we give it away. When, we say, when you say forego it, we forego it. When you say fast, we fast. Lord, I pray for a holy revolt against popular opinion within us all. 
that we would not subscribe to the voice of popular opinion anymore, but Lord, that we would be a people who only subscribe to your voice and your word and what you have said, and we rely and we depend on it with everything in our lives. Jesus, we want to know you. Lord, we, like Job said, we've, we've heard all about you our entire lives. But Job went on to say, but now my eyes have seen, now my ears have heard. Lord, that's what we want. So Lord, I pray Courageous Church would be a courageous church of prayer. Like Peter said, bold prayers. Bold prayers, Lord, like sun stand still prayers. Like entering into the promised land prayers. Like Caleb prayers, let's go forward so that we can possess what the Lord has promised us, prayers. Prayers that heal the sick. Prayers that set the captives free. Prayer that softens hardened hearts. Prayer that restores marriages. Prayer that brings kids back home. Prayers that see a city catch on fire. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we want you. Jesus, we need you. May this be a house of prayer. May this be a house of prayer in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at courageouschurch.com.